Look, Bumble knows you're exhausted by dating. All the, must not take yourself too seriously, and 6-1 since that matters, and what do I even say other than, hey? <sighs> well, that's why they're introducing an all-new Bumble. With exciting features to make compatibility easier, starting the chat better, and dating safer. They've changed, so you don't have to. Download the new Bumble now. And now, from beyond our dimension, this is the Jeff Mara Podcast. Here's Jeff. My guest is Pastor Steve Kong. He is a former Buddhist who had a near-death experience in 1998, which we're going to learn about today. Steve, thank you so much for being my guest, and welcome. Yeah, Jeff, it's an uh, honor to be here. Thank you for the shows that you've been hosting regarding near-death experiences. And yeah, I was a Buddhist, and then I became a follower of Jesus after uh, what happened during my ND. If you don't mind, let's start on the day it happened and go from there. Yeah, it was uh, the summer of my freshman turning to my sophomore year. And I remember every day, uh, me and my friends were kind of getting high, you know, trying to party in college. And then, um, unfortunately, one of the um, sessions we had of smoking weed, it was actually what's called a death bowl in the street language. It's a combination of heroin, cocaine, PCP that's all just laced wow. on what looks like marijuana. And most people who smoke it stay up for days not even realizing what they smoked. I sat up for 10 straight, which is 240 straight hours. I heard... Uh, Jet Li stays up. He's like a Chinese actor. He stays up eight days straight to make a movie. Well, I beat him by two days, not willingly, but just <laughs> it was what was given to me <clears throat> on my plate. After staying up 240 straight hours, um, I I started to really hallucinate. Actually, from the fifth day, I started to hallucinate. I didn't have, the drug was so powerful, Jeff. I didn't know what time it was, hmm. what day I was, <clears throat> and what I was doing. I was in school, but just sitting there not knowing why I was there. Even I started forgetting who I was. It was crazy. So I couldn't hang there anymore. So I went back home and my mom was like, what is wrong with you? I've never seen you so down and so energyless and so confused. So she starts praying to Buddha more. <laughs> I start to, I started to pray to Buddha more and nothing happens. It's quiet. And we had a little wall, a little painting we bought from the temple. It starts making really crazy noises like pop, 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 like electricity so we're like is 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 buddha answering us or is he attacking us we're just confused um around the seventh day i was gonna die it was really weird i just knew i'm not gonna stay alive so i wrote a letter to my mom i said mom um i'm sorry but it looks like i'm going to um you know go go ahead of you i love you sorry i failed you i hope you live a and I was, I was so sad. I was crying. I was like, I hope you live a good life. And I wrote the letter. And then um, a moment after, this like old Asian grandpa came to me. Like, I'm talking to you. But it wasn't, I didn't know it was Satan or an angel. But I knew, it, I thought it was my God in the Buddhist world. Mm -hmm. And he says, I know you're having a hard time. If you cut yourself open and give yourself to me, if you commit suicide and give yourself to me as a sacrifice, I'll give you 50,000 less years of hell. I'm like, that's a good deal. I just got to go through three minutes of pain. I'm doing the math here. Three minutes of pain for 50,000 less years of hell. So I went to the kitchen. I grabbed the biggest knife I could find. Not willingly, but just trying to get some sleep and eternal life here. So I know it sounds crazy, but back then it made so much sense. I grabbed the knife and I cut my um, neck open here. Mm -hmm. 
and then I cut my stomach open as well while on my knees because that's the only thing I knew from a movie. And I saw the samurais kind of do that. It looked easier. While I was trying to attempt that, my mom sees what's happening. So she calls 911, Jeff. And within a few minutes, you know, America, 911 is quick. They come into, they're already at the door. My mom opened the door. They're already inside. They're like, drop the knife down. And then the grandpa goes, it's now or never. So I just went for it. And and I lost so much blood because it was like just repetitious stabbing to get out of this earth, trying to get to, you know, wherever this Buddhist spirit was going to take me, which I thought was got my God back then. Unfortunately, they grabbed, I mean, fortunately, they grabbed my knife. Um, they maced me, the cops all over me. But by then I lost so much blood and the whole living room was bloody red. Um, my mom told me because she saw the whole thing, like she saw most of it. Um, you know, and, and I'm, on, I'm here on the stretcher on the 911 ambulance bus. Um, and I'm just like going in and out of consciousness from all the pain, from all the beating, from all the stabbing of myself, attempted suicide. And my spirit's going in and out. And I'm like, wow, this is what it feels like to die. It was very painful. Uh, it was so much fear, so much uncertainty. Um, and as I'm going to the hospital, I noticed my... I could see myself. I'm kind of coming out and I see myself. And instead of going up, I started falling. So I'm started falling towards the earth. And it felt like an elevator. You know, when you ride a roller coaster, Jeff, it felt like whoosh, it wasn't a pleasant fall. It was like a like a like a like a dead drop. Like, ah, you know, those elevators that drop at Disneyland. And and I just kept sinking for good, good I can't remember how long. It felt like five minutes. I just keep falling and I land. And and I look around, Jeff, and I'm not I'm not in heaven for sure. I look around and there's uh, there's other people there. Um, I, I had like in my vision, I had like a chain going through my body. There was like big demons, not the little ones you see on the cartoons that like whisper at you, like eat the chocolate. These things were huge, and I knew they were in charge over this place. There was like a little cliff here, not a little cliff, a huge cliff of like rocks. I looked that way; it's all dark. And I knew two things instinctively when this happened, Jeff. And here on, on Earth, it, they told me I went through an eight-hour operation of trying to connect the blood vessels. But it felt like a good five minutes. Um, so I look around, and I knew two things instinctively. First, of, The first thing I knew was that uh, I deserve to be there, that I'm a sinner, which I never ever, that thought never entered my mind. I was always a good person. I never killed anyone. I, yeah, maybe I lied and stole, like, chocolate bars at the supermarket, Lied to my parents, you know, for grades, right? You got to get good grades. <laughs> but I never thought I was a sinner. But at that moment, in that place, I knew I was 100% sinner and deserved to be there. It was just the weirdest thing because it never entered my mind ever when I was alive or on earth. Secondly, I knew I was never going to get out. Number two was the fact that this place is, is like an eternal place. And that also was a supernatural knowledge because I don't even believe in hell. I don't believe in heaven. But what I realized was it doesn't matter what I believe. If I believe incorrectly, um, then there's consequences. Like if I believe if I drive 100 miles an hour, it's, it's safe for me, but not everyone else. And if I hit a car, it's going to blow up, you know, so something like that. But I just never thought hell was a real place. So I knew those two things instinctively. I knew I made a big mistake. The Buddhist spirit that brought me there or or commanded me to offer my life as a sacrifice disappears. I don't even know where he is. And these ugly looking things everywhere, along with endless sea of people. And I never read the Bible, Jeff. So I, I just didn't know that there was a hell. But when I came back to Earth, 
I knew that this, ah, that this, I went to hell and came back. I opened my eyes, but right before I do, I heard a few things from the Lord, which I didn't even know it was Jesus back then. I was like the most unchurched Korean Jeff, because I'm hanging out at the Buddhist temples, you know. I, I made fun of him. I brought my Christian friends. I, I evangelized for Buddha. I brought him to the temple, you know, which I repented of. Um, so when I wake up, I hear right before I do, I hear the Lord say, um, no more Buddhism and no more drugs. I love you. And I was like, who was that? Because I've never heard that voice before. I kind of know what the Buddha sounds like and, you know, the feelings he gave me. But this was a whole different spiritual experience. And I opened my eyes and I'm surrounded by people I've never seen in my life. And I, and I learned later that there were Christians who came from a local church, which is where I got baptized and saved. Because my mom had one Christian friend who was the mother of a friend that I was doing drugs with. <laughs> And she was a Christian praying for her friends and her sons to be her son's friends to be saved. And my mom called her and said, hey, my, my, my son's in trouble. Uh, he needs help. So she called the pastors and the intercessors, which means you pray for somebody else. Intercessors, they came over and they surrounded me. Um, and you have to remember, Jeff, I actually called the Buddhist temples for help. And they told me they're doing a silent prayer and they're not going to help me. It was the worst timing ever. Hmm. I was like, this seems orchestrated. They should at least tell me what to do, how to get out of this. And they're like, we're not talking to you. We're doing a silent prayer. Good luck. And, you know, hang up the phone. My mom was like, these Christians from a local church were like, we're going to be right there. So they stayed throughout the whole operation. When I opened my eyes, they were there. Uh, and the first thing they said was, do you want to? believe in Jesus like when I gained consciousness because it was an eight-hour operation I was in the recovery room and I was like yes and I kind of shared quickly what happened I'm trying to like make sense of everything that's happening so fast right like the suicide attempt you know visit from the Buddhist spirit seeing hell coming back to earth being surrounded by Christians it was like a very fast transition there was no segue so I said the sinner's prayer not once not twice not three times but 10 times that day, just to make sure I don't go back to that place. And somehow I knew as these events were happening, that my days of as a Buddhist and as a drug user were over. And I accepted Jesus into my life. And that's when the journey of faith began. Steve, thank you for sharing your experience. Was the voice that spoke to you Jesus on the other side? Yeah, I think the voice that came to me right before I opened my eyes. Mm -hmm. When it said, um, when he said, no more drugs, no more Buddhism, and I love you, I believe that was Jesus. Because why would Buddha say no more Buddhism? Mm -hmm. you know? and, and, and as a Buddhist, I never heard, never mind, I respect Buddhists because, you know, they're trying to seek truth as well. Um, you know, I have Buddhist friends here in Southern California. But when a God says, I love you, like, like scripturally, like holy scriptures wise, uh, most gods don't speak that way. I have a master's in theology from Biola here, which is a local uh, seminary. And we study the major religions, you know, mm -hmm. and that those words, I love you, are not something a God says, unless it's a personal God, the, the father creator, the heavenly father who actually has children. Then he'll say, I love you. And I knew it was him like after I opened my eyes and the Christians were surrounding me and I said the prayer. And the, even that day, I was like, you know, that had to be the Lord. Mm -hmm. Did I see him? No, mm -hmm. I didn't see him, but I did. Uh, have a heavenly experience uh, um, in the summer, in the following year, when I try to go back to the world and party again, the Lord just, <laughs> I can share about that as well. A lot more pleasant. <laughs> Do you think that the Buddhist who told you to take your life actually was a demon? I do, because it says in John 10, 10, that um, Jesus says, I came to give you life and life to the fullest, but the devil comes to steal, kill, and destroy. 
So any anyone that wants to kill us, steal from us, destroy us, Jeff, is not a good spirit. It's an evil spirit or what the other religions call demons. It's what the scripture calls evil spirits or Satan, you know, Lucifer, the fallen one. So, yeah, I do believe that. I agree with you. Mm-hmm. I like how you put that when Jesus told you, I love you, that it's God or Jesus, you know, having a personal relationship with you. In Buddhism, yeah. in Buddhism does is there any type <laughs> of, you know, personal relationship trying to be established with a person? No, no, there is not because I, you know, I was not a nominal Buddhist, Jeff. I was the guy that went to the temple on the weekends trying to reach Nirvana Buddhist. I woke up every morning at, uh, you know, 30 minutes earlier before going to school to pray, to hit the wooden thing that makes the noise. I wrote the Buddhist commandments on my wall. I had the bead on. I went to the temples. I spent three days there fasting and trying to seek him. And not once did he speak to me like, Steve, I love you, or how you doing? It was always just, he just kind of, you know, waited there. <laughs> mm-hmm. And I did the thousand times bowing thing to mm-hmm. have him speak to me. He was a very silent being, whereas mm-hmm. God is like, he speaks to you through the spirit. He speaks to you through the scriptures. He speaks to you because he cares. So very different. Mm-hmm. Is there a mention of God in Buddhism? In Buddhism, you know, I'm not like the expert, expert level, but I did study their their holy writings and there's many gods mm-hmm. and nobody knows how many there are nobody knows exactly how many reach nirvana there's no beginning or end there's a mumbo jumbo of heaven and hell nothing's eternal but it is it's like there's all a lot of contradictory statements you know light is dark you know some for example so you know and that makes it very confusing for people to have a spiritual reality or like a something to grasp onto so to answer your question no there is no supreme being in buddhism Hmm. Yeah, you just gotta um, figure it out. Yeah, <laughs> I'm glad you said that. Yeah, because I'm not even a novice in Buddhism, so it's good yeah. to learn from a Buddhist. <laughs> yeah, ex-Buddhist. Yeah. Why don't you tell us about your other experience? Yeah. So, um, just I think God is fair. He's so merciful. He's so good. He's so loving. Um, we just have to start learning that. So I saw hell, and um, and I started reading the scriptures, and I was like, huh, that's exactly what I saw. It's in the Gospels. And it kind of traumatized me to a point, Jeff, where I was so worried about all my friends and family. I started getting a cassette player and started, re- you know, back in those days with the cassette player, mm-hmm. you got to record it one by one, unless you have the duplicate recording thing. So I started um, recording it and sending it to everybody. But I was like, I wonder why God didn't show me heaven. Why just hell? And I started growing as a Christian. I got, I started attending church and learning. But I um, mean, but in the flip side of things, because I was a baby Christian or newly saved, I wanted to go party again. So I was like, you know, what? he says, God is love. He'll forgive me. So I started driving towards the nightclubs again. Every time I went, I got into a car accident or something would happen that usually doesn't happen. And I was like, is God trying to tell me not to go back? And he kind of sealed the deal in the summer of the following year, 1999, where I came home drunk again because I was like, I got to drink one more time while I'm young. And I came home and I was like wasted. My my dad was like, you're a Christian, you're drinking. And I was like, sorry, dad, you know, God is love. And he was like, this is a bunch of baloney because <laughs> he wasn't saved yet. And I had a dream where um, it was me, my mom and my brother were just kind of driving up a hill and we got to the top of the mountain and I got out of the car and I knew we kind of escaped like what's called the great tribulation or something bad that was happening. I knew we went through it and survived in the dream. And I, and I looked up to the skies 
and I see like this huge golden city coming down from above. And now I know it's what's called the New Jerusalem in the in the Bible. It's two thousand miles wide, two thousand miles long, two thousand miles high. You know, in the biblical language, translated to English metric system. And and I looked up, and it was coming down. And from 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 this view, it looks like a triangle. Because when you look at a cube from the bottom, you know, it doesn't look perfectly square because you know the angle was like that. So, and I heard, and I, it was made of pure gold. Uh, for the first time, I heard angels worshiping God. You know. And the choir was so beautiful. Like, I can't even imi imitate it. It was like, oh, and there was worshiping God. And I was like, these cannot be people. Because people do not sing this beautifully. And then I heard a voice. Because uh, when God speaks to me, he doesn't just speak to me. He, he, back in those days, in the, he spoke to me in verses. He gave me verses. He would say the verse to me. It was amazing. He said, Jesus is my beloved son with, with whom I'm well pleased. Listen to him. Listen to him, listen to him. And, and I see this bright light, like sort of like what the, what I think the apostle Paul saw on the road to Damascus in his conversion experience. But he saw a ball of light. I saw like a triangular light. And I felt like God was saying, I'm spirit, son, and the, and the and father, the son, and the spirit. I felt like that's what he was saying. And the light was so intense. And I knew it was the light of God. It gave me so much peace, joy, and life. It even healed me from my uh, experience with hell. And, and I and I opened my eyes and I knew it was a preview and a glimpse of heaven. So I told uh, my family what happened. I journaled it down. Um, and it really did heal me on the destiny of where we're going. And I think the message God was saying to me was very clear. And let everyone know they're both real places. Let everyone know I want everybody here because I love them. You know, it's not just about sharing some spiritual rules or, or being Christianese kind of people. It's about a, that relationship with the Father who wants us to listen to Him, who wants us to follow Him, who wants to provide guidance for us, who wants to give us life to the fullest. So, yeah, that was my experience with that, uh, with heaven. So after that, I stopped partying, just FYI. <laughs> <laughs> it appears to me that even while you were a Buddhist, you were always a spiritual person seeking knowledge and information. From, yeah, from the age of five, my parents told me I always had like spiritual questions. I asked myself, like, why am I here? Why am I alive? I found out later my mom had the similar questions from childhood. So maybe it's like spiritual hereditary kind of stuff. But yeah, uh, you're right, Jeff. I was very curious on why there's in inequality. Why are some people blessed? Why are some people, you know, it's not equal in our eyes. Something's going on here. And you know, there's wicked, there's righteousness, there's absolute values of good and evil. Where did it come from? So I, I did ask those questions and seeing heaven and hell, but more importantly, meeting God personally as, as one of his creations. And what now I know is, is, is a child and there's, you know, a lot of them, you know, he created earth to multiply and fill the earth. He wants a huge family. You know, he's a good father. You know, we look at dads with like 12 kids, but you have so many kids, well, our God has a heart big enough to have, I think, billions of kids, if not more. So, yeah. So that answered a lot of my questions about the purpose of existence, the the, the mission of life, the, the joys of life, why we suffer. It was all answered. Every single question that I couldn't get from through Buddhism when I met Jesus personally. Has the memory of this experience faded over time? You know what's amazing, Jeff? It has not. Those two experiences have not I still get stressed out a bit, and it's unreal when I talk about hell. I still feel the same joy and the peace when I talk about heaven. 
So it has not faded. I still remember it so clearly because I feel like God has the ability to give us permanent memory. If you look at the scriptures, the journeys of Abraham, Isaac, Jacob, Israel, the prophets, the kings, the disciples, God always did something to make them remember. You know, when we want to make memories nowadays, we, we take pictures together. We go to places we want to hang out in with our loved ones. Well, with God, he gives you experiences of, of his words, of his impressions, his kingdom, his personality, his attributes, his character, his heart, so that we remember. So I, f- I feel like there was his grace and mercy. And I remember very clearly as if it was like five minutes or even now, you know, mm-hmm. he's outside of time. You know, time's a physical limited, you know, property. So he can do that. Yeah. <laughs> It sounds like to me that during your experience, you were outside of time. Probably. I think, yeah, I think that's a good way to put it, Jeff. It was in a realm of eternity where, you know, where God is, he's eternal. Temporary is like he visits, right? He, he takes care of stuff here. But yeah, outside of time. Did you notice after your experience that you had any abilities that you didn't have prior? No, I don't. I wouldn't say I got like supernatural powers like X-Men or Marvel. <laughs> I wish I could fly like that. But uh, I would say that one thing I did get is uh, uh, strength and courage and love for people I really didn't have tolerance for before. I feel like what God did was because I was always afraid of two things when I was a Buddhist, you know, demons and death. I, w- I would watch horror movies and like see shadows. I'm like, ah, you know, like I would, I hated being alone in the dark, even as a high school kid. I don't mm-hmm. think my friends know this, but I was so afraid of ghosts. I was like, what are these things? I like, can they, cause you know, you're afraid of what we don't, we're afraid of what we don't know. And I was afraid of death. Cause I didn't know what would happen after. And that's why I, w- I was asking all these questions about life as well. So I would say that supernatural power, if, if we can call it that, or ability is the lack of fear of death, the lack mm-hmm. of, fear of demons and i was able to speak to all types of people everywhere mm-hmm. just just the supernatural bonus came where i would get up on chairs even in, in and out costco supermarkets at the front of college campus and i would just start talking to the whole crowd and they would listen it was weird it's not like i planned to do that it's just i would go to class and i walk walk from one class to another and i was like you know what god loves these people so i would just get up on the table and just start sharing to the hundreds of people eating lunch and they would come up after and ask questions. So that was something that I think really happens. Yeah. Just peace and strength and courage. Because I was like a very fearful, weak person. <laughs> you know? Besides becoming a Christian and not having fear of death anymore, are there any other ways you changed after your experience? Yeah, great question. I started to really love my parents, which was something I didn't have the ability to do because, you know, my dad, like he left a lot. So I was always kind of mad at him. So I started praying for my dad, which, you know, like I started loving him and he got saved 10 years later in 2008. And now he's on fire and loves the Lord. And he loves me. I started to get good grades. I'm not saying I was dumb, but I always had a B or a C after I became Christian. I started getting all A's, which never happened before. I started to be able to relate to all types of people and like feel their pain. Um, This might be controversial, but in the Bible, when you believe in Jesus, he gives you power to heal diseases. So I started praying for people who got sick. Sometimes they got healed. It was weird. Like they're like, oh my gosh, I feel something or which is the power of the Holy Spirit. According to the, you know, the, the, the scriptures, I started to have dreams of future events like earthquakes in California. God started showing me, I'm not like a, prophet i would never claim that that's such a huge mistake if somebody says it and they make they say wrong things i would never elevate myself like with titles but 
God definitely provided, um, you know, in first Corinthians 13, it talks about the spiritual gifts. Um, so yeah, there were supernatural things happening, but now on a cleaner side, I had dreams of being raptured. I had dreams of, um, you know, like, um, like God would show me things ahead of time and it just made so much sense because God is a guy who communicates. So in our relationship with him, yeah, he gives you the ability ultimately to do something which is impossible on earth, which is love the unlovable, bless the unblessable, and uh, forgive the unforgivable. That is the, the, the power of God, yeah, inside out change. Since you're a pastor, you must end up counseling people whose family members have died. How has your NDE made you more able to do this? Yeah, good question, Jeff. Um, yeah, like there's a lot of, uh, I don't do too many funeral services, but the few that I've done and people that we do meet when they lose loved ones and family members, I let them know heaven and hell is real. Sometimes we don't know if our family members had a relationship with God. For example, my mom's, I'm sorry, my, my wife's dad, he didn't go to church, you know, faithfully his whole life, but he really accepted the Lord during the past two, last two, three years of his life where he had dementia and Alzheimer's, Parkinson's, I mean, and 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 I, I was able to comfort my wife, comfort my wife's mom, that he did have a relationship with God from what we saw of him seeking him and being with them, that it is a real place, that they're at a better place, that they have now entered their rest because, you know, earth is restful, but it's not perfect, right? It's a journey, but heaven is a perfect rest. It's a destination, a final destination of rest and peace. So any pastor, any Christian can comfort people who lost loved ones by sharing that they're at a better place with the Lord. I was so, just thinking, since you had an NDE, you, you have mm -hmm. actual experience of the other side. So you have an advantage. Oh yeah. Yeah, you're right. I can say with so much certainty, you know, I've met co uh, fellow pastors or like Christians that were not really sure actually. I even met a lot of people in the church that don't believe it was weird, <laughs> but you're right. I'm, I'm 101% certain they're real. Yeah. Amen. What do you think inspires you about your experience? Um, I, man, I'm just so grateful, brother Jeff, like to be alive, first of all. Secondly, I, I I'm like, I'm, I'm beyond grateful to be alive, to exist. God brought me into existence um, my, what inspires me is the heart of God. It's not about how great my experiences is what I realized because so many people have these experiences all over the world. It shows me that there's a big, gigantic, awesome, loving father out there who cares about people and he wants to walk with us. And that's what inspires me. His mercy, his love has set me free. He, I'm so grateful that he gave me a chance. <clears throat> Excuse me to God bless you. Yeah, to live, to, amen, to live with him, to walk with him. I'm so grateful that he's seeking out my lost friends and neighbors right now. I'm so grateful he's going to bring everything back into place. I'm grateful to be alive. I don't, here's a deal, like, we live in a generation where everyone's kind of entitled and privileged, I feel like. Um, according to his word, it's so clear that none of us deserve like we all we've all messed up and we don't deserve perfection and perfect forgiveness but he gives it he gives that to us through through his goodness and our job is to receive like little kids so my my inspiration are the people who are self-inspiration is his greatness his awesome mercy and he's the one who answers prayer wow like 
in Buddhism, you're taught to accept fate. It's called fatalism, where you can never change, you can never escape. You did something wrong in your past life, and there is no atonement for sin. There's no sacrifice. But here in, in Christianity or in, in Christ, he did that. So now there's this sense of new change, new hope. I can do better. I can improve. I can become more like him. So, yeah, it's amazing. Yeah. <laughs> After watching this podcast, people may want to reach out to you and ask you questions. Do you have like a website or, or how should they do that? Yeah, our church website is very easy. All nations, the S jc.org so a-l-l-a-n-a-t-i-o-n-s-j-c.org and it has our um, email addresses our fill out form um and in our church there's other brothers and sisters who have had intense experiences and they're all followers of christ like christians like me and uh, your wife and it's amazing how how god has um, brought all of us together so yeah they can reach out through the website um, feel free to email or text me. I, I get emails and texts online and on the phone. And we're here to help and answer questions, not just argue for the sake of arguing, but yeah, <laughs> to help, yeah, to serve. <laughs> Your book is called Testimony and Spirit-Filled and Biblical Christian Life. Can you yep. tell us a little about it and where to get it? Yeah, um, it's on Amazon now. Uh, unfortunately, it's not perfectly grammatically edited. But uh, we're editing a second version, but it's already on print and uh, available. Well, here's what it looks like. Um, it's like a red and black cover. And it's mainly about uh, just a testimony of seeing uh, heaven and hell, uh, how I was on fire for the Lord in college, and then um, having that first love with him and having like big churches, big small churches, what uh, revival ministry looks like, what the sevenfold spirit of God or the Holy Spirit is about, who he's about. And how to uh, love and trust him more and to have a victorious uh, spiritual life. So that's what the book's about, Jeff. Yeah. I've never promoted a book before, but this is cool. Yeah. <laughs> Maybe they can read it. Hopefully it blesses them. Yeah. All right, Steve, before we finish up, can you leave us with one last positive message? Yeah. Positive message is that if any of if anyone listening to this has any uh, loved ones or people that they know that are suicidal, and we try to fix it just through counseling, just through medicine. I want to encourage you that there's hope. Look at me. I mean, I shouldn't be here. I should be dead. But I'm alive through the uh, through prayer, through hope in Jesus. I do believe that um, God wants to save your loved one or even yourself who might be suicidal and depressed. I had the ultimate depression, the ultimate suicidal season. Not just once, but twice. I had another season after becoming Christian about 10 years ago. But God can change all. All of that. So I just want to encourage pe people that are listening that there's hope that God can make all things new and he can fight the fight for you. The battle belongs to him. So please stay positive. Please stay hopeful because it's going to be okay. <laughs> Steve, thank you for that message. And thank you again for joining me today. I really appreciate you and I wish you the best. Thank you, Jeff. It's an honor and a blessing to be here. And praise God for your show that's touching millions of lives on earth. Thank you. Thank you. Thanks for watching the Jeff Mara podcast. I really appreciate you. Another way to show support is through YouTube memberships. And if you do, there are loyalty badges and other perks depending on your level of membership. All you need to do is click the join button underneath the video to find out more. Thank you for your support.